Hello there, and welcome to More Movies Podcast, number 54. We have a 54% chance of wiping out the entire USSR before they get their missiles airborne. Welcome film fans, movie maniacs, cinema super nerds. This is the podcast where we like to talk about all things film. My name's Greg Fisher. His name is David Roberts. How are you doing this week, our day? I'm doing pretty well, sir. Pretty well. How are you? I'm not too bad myself. It's good to see you. It's been a little while since we've been on air. So it has. I thought, you know, we got to the end of the year. It's the end of 2022. Everybody's packing up. They're down in tools, getting ready for the big old celebration at the end of the year. So it's a good point for us to sort of say, what have we been watching for the last six months? Because we haven't really been on since when? July? July, yeah, I think a long the time last ago. movie we watched and talked about was Elvis. So we got some catching up to do, is what I'm saying, my friends. Thanks very much if you're joining Absolutely. us on YouTube. If you're here for the first time, welcome in. If you're an old face, great to see you. If you're just listening in on the audio, welcome. Thanks very much for joining us welcome, on welcome. audio platform. Um, so yeah, Dave, let's get into it. Let's get on with it. Let's get on with the rest of 2022. The worst, the best. The rest, <laughs> it's more movies. So yeah, there's lots of films we've watched over the last six months. If you follow us on Instagram, in our highlights, you can see what movies we've been watching. We only put uh, films we're watching for the first time, so that'll include new releases, plus older films that were just seen for the first time for one reason or another we haven't caught up with until now. So if you click on the highlights reels, on our Instagram prof- profiles, you can see what we've been watching from month to month. So Dave and I have been back through uh, the last six months since July. Well, five months really, isn't it? Uh, and we've hand-selected 20 films that we're going to be talking about over the next hour or so on the podcast. Um, some of them we enjoyed, some of them maybe not so much. We'll just pull them apart. We'll see what's in there. Obviously, there's a lot more films we have been watching, but we consider them like older films that were like first-time watches. Uh, go and have a look in there on Instagram if you're interested in what else we've been watching. But we thought we'd stick with films that have pretty much been released within the last year or so. Um, yeah, so Dave, kick us off, mate. Let's uh, let's have the first film. Tell us all about it. What are we going to have? What are we looking at? Get things off. Um, so uh, it's actually the most recent film I, I watched uh, just the other day, um, and it's something that I'd been wanting to watch for quite a while. Um, and that's the Phantom of the Open. Um, we reacted to the trailer for this, of course, earlier in the year, yeah. um, and uh, we were really excited about it. And it's one that kind of we're excited about it, and then kind of forgot about it, and then finally got a chance to go and see it. Um, uh, it's a classic British comedy, basically, um, with one of our favourites, Mark Rylance, in the in the title role. He plays uh, Maurice Flitcroft, uh, and it's a true story um, about a normal working bloke in the UK, works down the factory, um, who decides one day he's going to enter the British Open Golf Championships. (laughs) And uh, the hilarity that kind of ensues from that, um, it's really great fun. Um, It was one of them... You know, you watch a trailer for a comedy sometimes, don't you? And you go, are the best jokes in the trailer? Mm. You know, is it going to be, you, you watch the film and then you're like, oh. <laughs> uh, it's not the case here. It's a really great film. It lives up to kind of what the trailer offered. 
Cool. Uh, it, there's some really funny jokes in there. There's some really great stuff, great performances. Um, Sally Hawkins is in there, um, and Reese Evans and stuff like that. And oh, uh, so it's a nice cast going on, classic kind of British sentimentality. Um, and it's got, you know, some of the, the feel-good factor in there at the end and stuff. And uh, it is quite funny because at the end they obviously do the photographs of the real uh, Maurice Flitcroft, and oh, right. you can kind of see it's it. a true story. And it's a true story, and you and you and you you look at the likeness, and you go, yeah, it's actually quite spot on, really. Cool. And um, so it's really good fun. I remember when we watched the uh, trailer for it, we were talking about things like uh, Eddie the Eagle film, you know. Um, yes. And and that was actually based in. Uh, true story as well of course but I didn't realise this one was so that's an extra layer there of because uh, you know you watch something like Happy Gilmore sort of funny golf movie but yeah it's yeah. completely made up you know it's like uh, I mean Eddie, the Eddie the Eagle film is exactly the kind of comparison here um, for this uh, yeah. based on a true thing and I've got a similar thing someone who's not very good at it an um, underdog classic yeah. underdog story and yeah, and it works very well, doesn't it? The underdog story on on films. So, oh, everybody uh, loves an underdog. <laughs> Surely, surely you don't. You're evil. Yeah, you're the overdog. <laughs> but uh, it looks really good. I can't wait to see it as well. I'll probably stick it on over the holidays and uh, catch up on it. Like you said, it was one of those sort of got away from us, and yeah, um, you know, it was released at a funny time of year. This sort of time of year, wasn't it? Um, last year, so. You know, we were waiting for it in the early year, and it just sort of got by us. Yeah, that's it. It's uh, it, it it's one I'd recommend over the Christmas kind of period. This is the kind of thing that yeah, it'd be great for everyone to sit down and watch. Really, so good giggle. It is, yeah, brilliant. Thumbs up. All right, that's it. That's we'll move on from the Phantom of the Open to Top Gun Maverick, which uh, we were both looking forward to this this year as well. Um, obviously, Tom Cruise returning to the role of. Maverick Mitchell. This time he's back to uh, train the young kids to do some crazy mission, and it gets oh, goes from one extreme to the other. It, it, for me, it was like it was everything you you wanted from it. It was everything you expected from it as a Top Gun movie, and more. And to the point for me personally, and much more. Like there were scenes in it, I was just like, oh my god. <laughs> enough of this I can't believe they've gone there but there was other stuff in there that I really did enjoy and it was it was good fun it did what it said on the tin you know Tom Cruise and I see Val Kilmer get get a bit of a role yeah. in there you know that was quite heartfelt moment you think great Val's back the Iceman other stuff uh, was a little bit cringe but <laughs> it's Tom so. yeah <laughs> It was. It were, um, we, of course, we had to see the trailer again for this one uh, months and months back. We were very excited for it. Um, we finally did get to see it. Um, it's it's an interesting film, isn't it? Because I I love the original Top Gun. Uh, you know, it's it, it's not the perfect movie or anything like that. And uh, God knows, no. But it's really great fun. A, it's a, a great piece of its time. It's got that nostalgic factor. Yeah. Um, and there's something about it, isn't there? But, of course, over the last few years, we've seen these terrible sequels to films uh, or remakes and things like that. Um, top of my head, Coming to America 2 uh, yeah. sequel that we yeah. covered on the channel, which was terrible. And, uh, you know, there's been lots of these these things and obviously people are getting sick of them. Yeah. And you kind of look at this and, and, you know, there's an excitement about it, but there's all trepidation of, is this just going to be another one of them? And you go, oh, 
Yeah. But actually, it really delivered, didn't it? And um, it did, but it was to the really. point where you thought, "Oh my god!" I mean, you think you expect a certain amount of like uh, craziness and bravado from Tom Cruise, but <laughs> the first ten minutes of the film, he's he's flying this like hypersonic stealth plane, it's faster than you know your atoms could actually deal with, and he had, he's you know going Mark ten or something, and he ejects. You know, yeah, we're at Mark yeah. ten. I've got to push it, push it to the limit, and then he ejects, and you think uh, straight away. I thought. He would be eviscerated. He would literally yeah. be, his atoms would just be spread into the ether. There'd be nothing so, left, yeah. you know, when you're starting a movie like that, you know that it can go, it can go to anywhere from there. So uh, they did, I think they went a bit too far. It was, a, it, you know, but at the same time, you kind of, it's one of those, well, you asked for it. Yeah. What did you expect? It's Top Gun. This it, is it not is com- bottom gun. It is um, completely ridiculous and over the top and unbelievable. Mm. But yeah, as you say, what what do you expect? Uh, but on the same hand, it's really great fun. In it was terms fun. Of all the action, Tom Cruise doing his own stunts, all the physicality, flying his own planes, crazy man. Yeah, crazy man. How, only- how he gets the insurance to sign off on it? I don't know. <laughs> he must be like covered by the church, you know. Of, uh, church of Scientology. Yeah, I'm sure he is. You know, we'll cover you. <laughs> I think the only thing I didn't, uh, you know. The only bit of the film that really dropped it for me was um, there's that moment where they, you know they find the one remaining plane in the bombed out area in in you know and it started to turn into Mission Impossible and yeah. I was a bit like this you just had they to just, go there they just you? happened to have the same plane that he used to fly yeah. in the first movie and it's like oh and the asshole at the end saves them you know the the the, the dipshit that's been like mouthing off the whole way through the and you think time. I hope he gets killed. I hope he gets yeah. like a, a missile up the ass and just blows to a million pieces because he's been a right prick all the way through. And no, he's the one that that saves him. He's like the Iceman of it, isn't he? And I just yeah. That. But there we go. We we got to see it. It was worth waiting for. It was a good laugh. So there we go. Top Gun Maverick was was a thumbs up. It wasn't a thumbs down. It was a thumbs up. Two very enthusiastic thumbs up. Fine holiday fun. Okay, moving on to another sequel, and it's one of those that sort of. I mean, they've done quite a few sequels to the original Predator, 1987, Arnold Schwarzenegger and the gang, you know, a classic sci-fi 80s actioner. I think one of the best. One of the ones you can still watch and it hasn't dated that much. You think that still yeah. looks great. Um, could have gone a totally different way where it looked awful. Um, but no, they got it right. It's a great film. But they've had a lot of sequels over the year. You've had the uh, mashup with Aliens as well, Alien versus Predator, etc. They've tried a few times to... I mean, some of them were okay. Some of the films are... I mean, Predator 2 had a bit of a renaissance after this came out, and everyone was like, Predator 2 is a goat, man. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not. It is not. It's awful. And it was awful when it came out. We remember, you know, when it came out, it was like, oh, compared to the original <laughs> movie, this really sucks. Yes, you can watch back and say, you know, there's, there's moments of it that's like good laugh. But anyway, Prey came out this year, 2022, and it's almost like a prequel in a sense because they go back to the, I think, you know, either late 1700s, early 1800s, and we're in America. So it's not the America we know. They haven't quite, you know, completely eviscerated all of the uh, natives and, and made the country we uh, we know today. It's still, there's still a native element to their um, so, you know, think Revenant, P- 
people like there is there is Europeans over there, trappers and stuff like that, but there's there's still a lot of tribes, still a lot of Native Americans, and it's told through their eyes, particularly a young girl in the tribe. And basically, you know, you know the rest. It's a predator film. There's a predator come to Earth. and But it's a predator from a couple of hundred years before the one we, we know from the original film. And they do yeah. a really good job to – there's a couple of tributes in there to all of the, the predator films over the years that make you go, I like that. For example, <laughs> the, the classic line, if it bleeds, we can kill it. It bleeds, we can kill it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was like a great addition to the predator catalogue. Um, I'd advise it to anyone, especially if you were a fan of that original Predator film or the series as a whole, then it's got to be held up as, yeah, that's worth an hour and a half of anyone's time. Great fun. Advise it. Yeah, it's one, uh, I remember after you uh, mentioned it and said, oh, it's a really great film, and I was, oh, what's it about? And then you said, oh, it was a Predator prequel, and I didn't even realise. Uh, no. I mean, that's the thing that's uh, thrown it because of the title. Yeah, they, um, they kept the font, in a sense, even though it was a little bit more, you know, old-fashioned, yeah. but it's prey now rather than predator. It's the they just turned it on its head and said, "Yeah, it's prey." But I didn't realize at first, you know, when I first just seen the word prey and and seen yeah. there was like, um, you know, a couple of the stars, the young youngsters in it are like um, Native Americans, and I thought, well, "What's that? Is like a western or something? Some kind of, um, you know, Last of the Mohicans, things like that." But then. Realised it was no, it's a Predator prequel. Really, it's cool. really interesting um, kind of concept, isn't it? I think uh, so. I, yeah. I, I do want to check it out because it sounds really interesting. And you say you were recommending it, and yeah, I mean, I love the original Predator. Oh yeah, uh, that's I why I enjoyed this one because I'm a fan of the original, and, and it's a good story. It's a story about characters. The main mm. star of it is a girl called Amber Midfunder, and she's just great in it. She's perfect casting. It's like. Yeah, she's that perfect, you know, really young and full of bravado, but, you know, like Luke Skywalker, not quite ready for the trials you're about to go through yet. So there's a there's a sort of yeah. learning curve throughout it. And there's that whole side of it, you know, the Native Americans, and they were great warriors, and it's, it's really cool. There's some cool stuff in there. There's some great Easter eggs for the other films, and I can see why Predator 2 became, um, had a bit of a renaissance afterwards because a lot of the kids probably watching it for the first time were like oh what what are <laughs> yeah. they saying about this uh, sort of easter egg we've got to go and now see what that's about go and, and hunt it out yeah, yeah. and and it, and it worked it worked like that so but it, it sounds interesting it's just you know that you know saying it it's on par or you know close to like the original uh, you know rather than the rest because i always felt like you know after the original all the up the sequels and the and the AVP and all that was I never really enjoyed any of them I, you know it got, I liked the got one away with, from itself you know Adrian Brody was in one a few years ago I think it was called Predators it was like plural um it wasn't bad that one I think mm. they're all on some island or something like this it's a bit more like um what's that uh Japanese film you know that kind of um battle royale battle royale scenario or or yeah. um Hunger Games, something like that, where it's like, but that was quite cool. But this mm. one's definitely my favorite of all the sequels or prequels or whatever. The Predator's a bit different out. as well. He's a little bit like um, old, well, not old fashioned, but he's got he's got more sort of organic, you know, where he always had the metal helmet and stuff like that. Well, this time yeah, it's yeah. more like a skull, you know, like a warrior might wear some sort of crazy uh, animal skull of of a kill that they've. So it's this. Like a 
There's that kind of it. thing about it that, that, you know, it's kind of good. It's, I enjoyed it anyway. I'd, I'd watch it again. Put it that way. I'd watch it again and go back for more. Interesting. Cool. Recommended. Yeah, that's a thumbs up for that one, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, so that brings us on to uh, the next film, uh, The Forgiven, uh, which came out earlier in the year. Um, really uh, interesting film, this. Um, didn't get the greatest of reviews, um, but I watched it and quite enjoyed it. It's um, Ray Fiennes and Jessica Chastain uh, in the film, and it's, it's based on a book. It's basically... Um, they're they're a married couple, but they're obviously going through stuff. They're they're, they're not uh, getting on very well. Um, they're traveling to Morocco. They're traveling to a friend's uh, wedding out in the middle of nowhere, basically. Um, and them and their friends and all of them, they're very rich. They they've got the money. They've hired out this building. Um, they've hired the locals as servants, basically to prepare all the food and, and look after the place and all this. It's, so it's all very extravagant, uh, what's going on. Uh, anyway, on, on the way, uh, one thing to remember is Ray Fine's character is a, a bit of an alcoholic <laughs> um, and has got his demons. Um, he's been drinking, they're driving through the desert and they accidentally hit and kill uh, a young boy. Oh, jeez on the way to this party and um, they kind of bit of a crisis happens they end up going to the party um, and bringing the boy's body with them yeah Um, and you know kind of they get there and their friends are like oh well we'll we'll take it inside and we'll we'll work out what to to do with it kind of thing and then they kind of carry on with the party whilst the, the servants deal with the body and you know put it outwards and um, yeah. it all turns out it is, you know, one of the servants has worked out whose boy it is, the father of the boy kind of thing. Yeah. Recognises Yeah. And whilst while this party is going on kind of thing, and then eventually the boy's father does turn up at the uh, compound that they're staying at. Mm. And um, his insistence is that he accompanies him to the village where they come from to bury the son as well, a kind Rafe, of Rafe in, Ray Fine's character accompanies yes, him. Uh, in a in a kind of um show of sorrow kind of thing, you know, and uh, yeah. you know and all part of their tradition. Traditions, supposedly. Um he thought he could just pay him off. That was going to be the you know, pay him off. Uh, yeah, basically just go. Oh, sorry about that. Here's a few grand, and uh, off you go, kind of thing. And sorry, I killed your son. Yeah. Here's, here's a few grand. Um, and then obviously this then takes two different journeys. We got what's happening at the party, which is still going on, and his wife's there, and all that. That's mm. a whole thread. And then we're following Rafe's character as well, as as all that goes on, and that becomes a whole thing. And then a whole load of things start to unfold. Then all right. Um, Really interesting, I thought, and yeah. it's been given some criticism. But you know, one of the things is obviously pretty much all the characters are completely unlikable. They're not nice mm. people. There's problems with them all, mm. and I think that's 
probably lent into why people it's not been reviewed so well in my opinion but i think that is exactly the point the film is making these the, the way these people are acting um entitled the, the entitlement the, the 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 way the story unfolds but there's some really interesting points about um you know, you know exploring the the philosophical elements yeah. of of the main character you know and what he is uh, going through and the way things change uh, mm. for him throughout the film and it's it's i thought it was very interesting uh, and i think it's one that people should have a watch of and, and evaluate for themselves really well i'd like to watch it just from what you've told me about it there uh, i'd like ray fines i like jessica mm. chastain it sounds um you know like it you know explores some really interesting ideas it's, yeah. a, it's an original setup. We don't get much stuff that's, you know, you filmed out in the desert like that and so isolated and you've got these kind of like North African traditions and tribes and stuff. It sounds, sounds good, man. I'd watch it. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, it's a, it's a different element, different location to, to shoot these things. And I do love stuff that's shot in kind of a North Africa thing when they do it. It's more of an old, feels more of an old thing, you know, from the 50s, 60s yeah. kind of thing, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, and you, you think back to things like Casablanca and things like that, really. Well, it made me and, think uh, of The Constant Gardener. Do you remember that with Ray Fiennes? Yes, and, um, really great film. Uh, Rachel Weisz. Uh, it was a great film. I'd definitely watch The Forgiven. Definitely, yeah. I'd give it a go. It's so, a thumbs up. It's, a, it's another thumbs up, which is great. <laughs> So on to another that uh, you have seen, I have not yet, is Jordan Peele's Nope. Yes. Now, interesting film. Um, I want to see it, so no spoilers. Without spoiling the film, um, because still people haven't seen it, I I, I do know, and um, it's... uh, one of the big releases of the year really now we all know Jordan Peele uh, of course he started with uh, Get Out which I think most people have seen mm-hmm. and loved critically reviewed very well we both think it's a very good film mm-hmm. um, he then did Us um, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen but you mm-hmm. have seen mm-hmm. and you reviewed it on our website so you can yeah. go and check the article we'll leave a link in the description below for that um, and now his latest is Nope, which is probably his biggest film in terms of budget, blockbuster, scale. Um, it is quite something else. Um, quite a cast as well. Um, Daniel Kaloya's back, um, who, of course, was in Get Out. He's got Stephen Young in it, um, you know, Keith David. It, it's quite a big cast of people you'll know. And... You you probably know from from the trailers and stuff. It's basically about there's a, a there's an unidentified uh, object in the sky. Basically, is the general gist of what's happening. Now, the film has so many great elements and so many interesting threads that it writes. And the concept behind it is is a very interesting um, story. And the cast is all brilliant. Uh, I have two problems with the film. One, it does not thread together very well. Um, the, 
you know, it jumps between scenes and, and, and the way things tie together for me is a little disjointed. Um, it gets a bit lost in itself. And my second problem is <sighs> being such a fan of something like Twilight Zone, and of course Jordan Peele uh, was behind the, the reboot of the new Twilight Zone, when you're doing smaller, when you're dealing with smaller budgets and, and smaller productions, uh, I think it benefits because you can describe something so magnificent but never show, and it's all dealt with in your head. And uh, when you keep something a bit less wrapped, I always think it's a bit better mm. um, than, than anything you could ever pull up on screen, no matter how many millions of pounds you throw at it. And I think the problem here is because he's got the budget and the possibility of making such a big blockbuster film, for me, it becomes too big. Mm. And what, you know, the menace that is kind of described early on, that, that you then, when you finally see it, for me, was a disappointment. It was like, oh, <laughs> is that it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I think that. For me, hurts it. You know, I think people have had other interpretations of it about the film being a criticism of the blockbuster genre and all mm. these different things. I didn't buy that myself. To me, it was just trying to be something big, and I was like, actually, if you didn't show me that, if you rein this in a little bit, if you were a little bit more contained, mm. a bit more like something like Get Out, um, I think it would have been better. Well, that's funny because I felt a bit like that about us. If you, like I say, we'll put uh, my review for it down in the uh, comments. You can find it there, or you can find it on our website if you're listening. In just go to moremovies.co.uk in the review section. It'll be in there. But I found it got just that bit too ambitious at the end, where and it didn't need to. Yes, the money was there to do it, and it was it was well uh, portrayed on screen. But it just the story, like you just said, needed you know less is more. Yeah, and um, I felt like that with us. So it'll be interesting to see what's happened here with this one. I'm still love him as a filmmaker, so I am still hyped mm. for watching it um, because I know there'll be a lot of great stuff in there. But uh, it reminded me a little bit because we were earlier in the year we were talking about the Northman, um, mm, yeah, and I felt the same with that. Robert Egg is a great film director, but it just more budget, you know, more thrown at it. But it didn't equate to a um, a better film. In, in fact, the opposite. It was a little bit like, like you say, structural problems, a bit unwieldy, and and with these kind of storytellers, less is more. We, we like you said, yeah. you want to use your own imagination for some of it. And it's often the case with these sci-fi films. You get to the alien at the end, and you're just like, oh, yeah. And uh, I think it made me think really because you think, okay, the, the era of the blockbuster was was the eighties. And uh, and you think someone like Spielberg? Yeah. You think even though he had the the money and, and the production to do it, um, it, you know he didn't show us things and didn't go too far. Well, he did. Um, well, he, and, uh, he did show uh, us things. <laughs> Et, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a whole movie about not, an alien, <laughs> but not to the extent that you see um, in something like this, where you know it's so spectacular. It's a little bit more restrained. Well, what about? Um, and, Close Encounters. That was the Close Encounters is the one. That, the Close Encounters is the one time though that he kind of did go back and put all that interiors in and all that, and then changed his mind later on and, and went, "No, no, that's the wrong thing to do." Um, okay. So even he learned his lesson on on that one. 
what I mean, but what I mean is like you know, there's a restraint there that you, that, that, yeah. that the filmmakers need to learn. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, George Lucas could have learned it on the prequels, maybe, but you know, it's learn restraints, learn to hold back. You don't just because you've got millions and billions of dollars. Don't have to spend them all. No, exactly. Fair enough. Yeah, I've got to catch up with it. Uh, Wise words, by the sounds of it. Um, So, yeah. Nope is... uh, What what are you going to do? Caesar, thumbs up, thumbs down? Middle. Middle. Check it out. Check it out, but... um, So you're veering on thumbs up more than a thumbs down, but it's, it's middle ground. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, next film on the list we've got is another sequel um, that is possibly not quite as good as some of the stuff that's come before it. It's had a lot of criticism also for what, uh, for one reason or another. It is Thor, Love and Thunder, directed by Taika Waititi. He, of course, did the last Thor movie, um, Ragnarok, which everybody loved, and rightly so. I mean, the first Thor film, if you ask me, it wasn't great. The second installment wasn't great either. And, you know, Thor's getting to this point where he's going, but he's, the character had a bit of a renaissance. He made him more fun when he's involvement with the Avengers and stuff. That's where Thor really found his sort of audience, where it was like, all right, he's a fun character. He's a legend. We're going to have him. Then Taika Waititi made Ragnarok, and that is a very funny film. Even if you hate the superhero uh, genre, if you were forced to watch that film, like... Uh, you know, um, Clockwork Orange style and tied to a chair with a, yeah, eyes, then you might just have a few good uh, laughs here and there throughout that film. It was pretty good. So when, you know, For Love and Thunder, people are waiting for it. It's like it's Tyker again. They released a trailer for that. We react to it. It was very colourful. Lots of, uh, like you said, loads of budget, loads of um, fireworks going off, and you think, wow, it looks great. There seems like a few laughs in there. Why not? For some reason or another, this film fell flat on its face. It didn't do very good box office compared to what they thought it might. Um, and it kind of just came and went. It was like people weren't sold on it. Even the hardcore Marvels fans were kind of knocking it a bit. I personally thought it was all right. It wasn't, it wasn't as great as Ragnarok, no, but it wasn't that bad. And mm. if you're invested in the story, I think it's okay. It's like, you know, if you're watching um, a more sort of, Long, longer format series, you know, on Netflix series or something where there's 20-odd episodes or whatever, you know, you, you some episodes are better than the others. And that's one of the problems with all these comic book movies is some of the, some of the additions are better than others. Yeah. Is it as bad as the early four films? No, it's much better. It's lots more fun. You've still got uh, Chris Pratt and all the Guardians of the Galaxy having a bit of banter with Thor. You've got Natalie Portman comes back into it and she is from those earlier films. So they bring her character back and, you know, she's quite, she's got some, something wrong with her. She's got some sort of terminal illness, but at the same time, she can, she finds that she's, you know, because of exposure to some of the stuff that they've come across in earlier films, you know, has had some effect on it, but it's also give her some sort of superpowers as well. So there's an element of that to it. And it's all about, you know, um, there's a there's a god that hunts gods. He's like the god killer, and Thor's a god, thunder, or whatever. So there's all the gods in there as well. So you got cameos from people like Russell Crowe, which was a good fun. He was in there as <laughs> uh, Zeus or someone like that. You know, one of the Greek gods. And you got um, your friend out of um, Ted Lasso. You know, the guy who plays um, Roy Kent. 
Oh, yes. He, oh, brilliant. He's in there as one of the gods. So, you know, you've got uh, little cameos like that in there that are good fun. Um, not a terrible movie. It does what it says on the tin with in terms mm. of being a Marvel movie. So there's lots of big set pieces and fighting. And, you know, it's all about Thor trying to sort of... Um, well, more actually, it's more about her character and, and what she goes through with Thor's kind of just like a sort of conduit through which to tell the story but that's what happens in a lot of these comic book uh, formats anyway you know often is the case you can only tell so many stories about Superman before you have to start bringing other characters in and tell the story through them and that's kind of what's happened here with this one wasn't awful like I said it's a bit middle area really with the thumbs but again I would I would err on the side of thumbs up I didn't find it too bad I, I quite enjoyed it Christian Bale is is the bad guy he gives quite mm. a good performance, as I think you described him as Casper, friendly ghost, <laughs> when we did the uh, reaction to the trailer. But um, it was okay. It was all right. It wasn't all that bad. Yeah, it's interesting because I've, I've not watched any of the four films yet. I still need to go back and watch Ragnarok. Cause that's, that's the, the one people... to see. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. Jeff Goldblum but, um, in it, really funny. But I like I Taika think... Waititi, and I don't think he did a bad job here. We, we both enjoy his films whether it's something more independent um, yeah. and, and you know, uh, story-based in reality or whether it's something like this. He's gone, he's gone to show he's a, he's a great director. He can, he can certainly put a good yeah, film together. Yeah, it's surprised me really because you know, the trailer looked quite fun. It is. You know, and everyone said the last one was quite good. And then uh, knowing Taika Waititi, you know, with good track record, you know, and so when I saw like some of the uh, tweets around the time it was coming out, I was a little bit like, mm. really? Well, I just didn't no. think it was it was as bad as all that because people did react badly to it. And by the time I seen it, which wasn't straight away, I thought, you know, this isn't this isn't that bad. It's not the mm. greatest film ever. I mean, that's why people were pleasantly surprised with Ragnarok because it was such a good little film. It was like, oh, Thor, this is great. <laughs> Whereas this is more like, oh, okay. But I thought it was cool. I think, like, I think really, isn't it, Marvel's true problem at the moment, because we've seen quite a few of their films in the yeah, last two months, uh, uh, get um, a lot of criticism, and it is the oversaturation thing. I mean, and it's getting to a boiling point now. I think we always said, you know, in over the last few years, there's going to come a point yeah. where even the hardcore, we love it all, are going, oh, enough now, guys. Yeah, It's going to be a bit of a problem for them. Uh, you know coming up well it'll yeah. die a death like they all do mm. eventually it's like you've just you've gone too far we've had enough of it and they won't make any for 20 years and then the problem they've got is it's going to happen and they're they're committing years ahead aren't they they're going oh we've got five years of films we've yeah but look what they out, did you know. this year with the Batgirl movie that was all done and dusted ready to be released and they decided we're not even going to release it throwing 200 million down the swanny so <laughs> yeah that's that was the that was disgraceful, I to do that. Yeah, it is. It's a bit silly. So not to, even to, release it straight yeah. to, you know, uh, video on demand or something, yeah, and just have at least that. Because, you know, as bad as some of these films are, and we've reviewed some of them, like I'm thinking Justice League and stuff like that, which we did not enjoy and were, a, you know, a chore for us to watch. But we both know they've got hardcore fans out there who defend them to the death, Stab yeah. us in the throat <laughs> for having tell, told the uh, the world that we didn't like them, but we, you know, the, so in other words, what I'm saying is, with the Batgirl thing, they should have released it anyway because there would have been enough revenue, would have made yeah. its money back at least from the hardcore fans. But yeah, there we go. Thor, it's it's a thing. It's okay. 
they can do better. It could have been a lot worse. <laughs> I like Taika Waititi. I'll stand by him and say it's a it's a cool movie. Food for thought. Yes. Let me give you some facts and figures. Some food for thought. Okay, another film I've already told you a little bit about was 3,000 Years of Longing. Now, earlier in the year, we reviewed Everything Everywhere All at Once. We both love that movie. This movie, it stars um, Tilda Swinton, Idris Elba, and it is a story about, uh, basically, it's the genie in the lamp. And she's kind of, she is an uh, academic in the film. Her character is an academic who is, specializes in story and what stories mean to us, what our own personal stories are, the stories we tell, how our lives can become, um, you know, a story. And obviously, you know, she's in some place like uh, Egypt, somewhere like that, and she finds this little trinket in this bazaar that she goes to and, you know, ends up literally being this genie who's played by Idris Elba in her apartment. But the way it's done, it's it's like that's the setup, but really it's done in such a way and so cleverly portrayed through the filmmaking and through the storytelling itself that um it's just a joy to watch i mean this is george miller as well famous for the mad max films probably more than anything else a beloved filmmaker who really i've seen this movie as his um love song or love letter to storytelling and to how important stories are to us and of course it's about wishing you know um and all stories about wishing us think, as it says in the film, are a cautionary tale. So there's that yeah. element to it as well. But it goes to places you don't expect it to. The performance of, uh, from Swinton and Idris Elba are, there's great chemistry there and it works. And it's, even though it's like a larger than life story, they manage to keep it relatable and real. And like I said, you and I really enjoyed um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is a film I'd put close to it on the shelf you know it's like it's in the same stack it's like yeah you know they're very different movies but they're of that same sort of fantastical magical realism sort of uh yeah it's brilliant give it a watch massive thumbs up for that one on the quiet three thousand years of longing i loved it definitely one i want to watch i've never seen the trailer in the year and thinking this is I really fancy this. This is really interesting. And then after you mentioned how great uh, it was, it's I've got to put it on this Christmas. That's oh, you'll love it. I know you'll on. love it. That's why I told you about it straight away. I thought you just, it's, yeah, it's up your street. It's got everything, got a bit of everything and it's really well done. It didn't do amazingly as a film. I mean, not. I didn't hear much about it. I don't think a lot of people watched it, but this is one of them. If you've had it on your watch list and you've kind of pushed it to the, to the back a bit and thought, yeah, watch it, especially if you were a fan of something like Everything Everywhere All at Once, which was a really fucking amazing meta movie. Give this one a bash as well. And trust in George Miller. It's like, yeah, he's a great, great storyteller, a great filmmaker, and um, he knows what he's doing. So just trust in him and go on a wonderful journey. Anyone who loves Pan's Labyrinth, anyone who loves anything like that, The Fountain, you know, all of these kind of epic, kind of um, mystical movies this was a great one that's great thanks another one I watched um, that where they've reinvented a older character made famous by Chevy Chase in the 80s we had Fletch and then Fletch Lives was the sequel both kind of become cult comedy movies over the years fans of Chevy like myself have uh, you know I've watched 
the original Fletch movies. I don't know how many times. One of those films <laughs> when you're watching when uh, you're watching when you grow up and you you quote lines from it, and you know certain buddies who watched it with you, you know, years later, you'll still be doing the lines from Fletch. But a quite a large, uh, a bold move here is they got John Hammond to play the character. So it's like bringing Fletch back after, you know, almost a 40-year hiatus, 35, 40-year hiatus, uh, and recasting him. Will it work? Well, as a fan of the original two films, I loved it. It's different, it's more modern, it's a different Fletch, but it's still that same character. He's an investigative journalist that gets himself in, in you know, in the middle of usually a real, it's like a murder mystery usually with Fletch, you know, some sort of murderer going on or some, some he's basically like all of those other great characters, you know, Columbo and the rest of it, Fletch, cheeky old Fletch. John Hamm's great as the character. He plays in, you know, his own way. And the... Script is pretty whip smart, quite funny. Lots of tittering going on throughout. Uh, it doesn't get too convoluted. It, uh, it's it's a bloody good laugh, is what it is. So yeah, I as a Fletch fan, I would like to see more John Ham Fletch. Confess, confess, Fletch is a thumbs up. Do you know Fletch? You ever watched the old ones? I've seen bits of Fletch. It's one of them. I, I never actually watched the, the the full film. I love Chevy, um, like yourself, and uh, the classic films he did. Uh, you know, from from the eighties, and uh, uh, I've seen clips from it over the years, uh, which have always been funny. Um, it's uh, very of its time, you know. I mean, yeah, some yeah. people would look back on that now and just think no, but. If we grow up, context. Grow up with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and uh, but it, it, I, I was very surprised when you said, "Oh, it's actually quite good." And um, it was you know, a good laugh, yeah, a good, a good recasted and a good reimagining. So it is one I, I will check out, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll watch the originals as well because I've never actually worth going back to because you'll enjoy them because you enjoy a bit Chevy, and um, that's what they are. They're kind of murder mystery things, and he's just this sort of you know, basically uh, using his uh, investigative powers to get to the bottom what's going on. But, he, he, you know, the thing about the Chevy films was he, they played on this uh, idea that he's a master of disguise. You know, he gets like a yeah. bald cap on and he's disguised as this and that. And that became like almost a silly element to it with the Chevy films. And there's none of that with this. They've gone, you know, like they always say, we went back to the character, went back to the books. <laughs> I think they've done that a bit more, but that that works better in a modern context because... It would be too. It would be too goofy to see John Hamm in a ball cap, dressed as a rabbi, <laughs> trying to pass himself off as something he's not. It's it's a bit more like you know. Yeah, it's a bit more modern than that, and that that benefits it. It's a, it's a good laugh. Any old fans of the old Fletch should, should give uh, Confess Fletch a uh, a go. It's not all bad. I'd like to see more John Hamm Fletch. Why not? Are you Fletcher? Yes, I am. Oh, I mean, no, I'm not. I always get that wrong. Okay, so so the next film, uh, we both watched this um, film, which we found quite interesting. It was a, a little Netflix film uh, called Do Revenge. Um, did, this was something a little bit different. Something a little bit different, wasn't it? It was... Uh, it was funny. Anyway, it was funny. Um, it's a teenage... Uh, kind of a black comedy. Um it's uh, Camilla Mendez and Maya Hawke mm. um, play the two uh, main characters in it. 
Um, how would you describe it? It's, it's it's a revenge film, isn't it? Uh, yeah, like it says on the tin, do revenge. It's all about um, two high school girls that basically they. It's like strangers on a train in a way. It gets the idea that yes. you you do my revenge and I'll do yours, and then no one will know it was us because there's no connection, and that's the the original concept of it. But obviously, it becomes a bit more intricate than that and it, it leads us on different and convoluted yeah it's also you know it's got it's got bits of sort of heathers about it or clueless or mm. uh, john hughes isms it's very much a teenage kind of film the way it, it looks the costumes the colors are very modern but i think the spirit behind it has got a bit of that sort of 80s john hughesness about it it's it's kind of funny in a irreverent way and, um, yeah I think the eightiesness of it reminded me of that um, Fear Street trilogy they did yeah. on Netflix. I yeah. think it had that kind of uh, enough something like Stranger Things. It's definitely leaning into that spiritually, mm. and I think visually, really, it, it visually it looked a lot like uh, that Sex Education uh, series, which is also Netflix in terms of it's almost nondescript high school mm. um, generic you know, that, sort of thing. Yeah, uh, but obviously looking very what we'd call posh private school across here, you know. Um, yeah, it's trendy. It's Beverly Hills. Yeah. It's but it's also a little bit Ivy League as well. It's got a sort yeah. of. But for me, the script was so funny. Oh, I'm sorry, Schoolhouse Rock. Are you dragging my sentence structure right now? It's bloody funny. It's, and I think yeah. it works to a, a sort of wider audience than the, the one that might be perceived as being aimed at. Because it's got such a good script, it's it's you know good, it's, it's good performances a... from um, Mendes, like you say, and and Maya Hawke as well. They're both brilliant in it. But um, I was laughing all the way through, particularly uh, Camilla Mendes. Her character is just so salty. Yes, yeah. it was just I was just cracking up. There was some really good dialogue in there. It is. It is. Uh, the jokes are, are very good in it, which surprised me a lot because yeah, as you say, it's not. It's not us. It's aiming at you know. So you'd have thought, what, you know, would you get it? But it, but it does work. Mm-hmm. They're funny gags. The characters are funny. The way they kind of set them up. Mm-hmm. You 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 notice the similarities. Obviously, with with well, there's a bit of satire going on in there, and kind of comments on society because of what happens uh, in the film. Um, it's very relevant to to now. Mm. Um. So yeah, it's it's it was it was funny and enjoyable, and actually the twist in the film. Yeah, that was quite uh, a good twist. Yeah, I it got me. So. What's his name as well? Austin Abrams is the kind mm. of like the the douchebag, the jerk off in it. But he, what we've seen him in before because um he was quite funny in this, I thought. But yeah, it's you know I'd I'd recommend it. Yeah, so would I. Definitely want to watch. It's, it's definitely it's definitely funny. Are you in therapy? God, no. Why? Cool. Okay, next film on the list was another uh, bone of contention for a lot of people this year, was Blonde. Um, it obviously stars Anna de Armas as Marilyn Monroe. Um, it's kind of a biopic. As with all biopics, it just chooses certain time frames and elements of her life as an overall picture. So unlike Elvis, where, you know, they crammed as much as they possibly could into a couple and a half hours, this was more sort of like nuanced, a bit more um, 
particular in what it chose to show. And it did concentrate on the side of Marilyn Monroe that was showing her basically being abused, abused by her mother as a child, abused by uh, the, most of the men in her life to some points where it was like really, oh my God, you know, you're talking like the worst kind of uh, abuse you could imagine. And abused by the industry and... Um, it's quite heavy in terms of what it portrays that she had to go through. And people seem to hate it. It came out and people hated it. They hated the fact that it went to the places it went to and explored the things. It, it was called exploitative. People said mm. it exploited her memory and her life and they just didn't like it. The audience did not like this film. It got panned basically critically more than anything because technically looking at it, it's gorgeous looking it's really well put together by Andrew Dominic. I mean, he's made some great films over the years. A particular favorite of mine is uh, one of the longest titles ever. I have to take a deep breath just to say The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. But it is a great <laughs> film. I love yeah. that film, and a lot of people love that film because, you know, it's just a, a, an amazing, beautiful film. So Blonde had all those elements. It was really nicely put together, um, well acted. It looked gorgeous, but it was so harrowing and, and it, it it went over parts of her life that, you know, I suppose in some senses it took poetic license with, you know, this might have happened there, this could have happened there. It's like this yeah. is based on certain amount of truth and we've took, you know, liberties with how we are portraying it. And for that reason, I think people hated it. They hated what they wanted to see, I think, was some sort of amazingly powerful celebration of this talented, incredible icon of cinema. And what they got was, um, you know, a portrayal of somebody being, you know, completely uh, taken advantage of by everybody in her life. And that's why she ended up so, you know, what was such a sad ending is what I'm trying to say. You know, yeah. Drug overdose, she was young, blah, blah, blah. They're trying to say, you know, it, it's one I've been, I'd been wanting to watch and uh, before it came out, and then uh, I just yeah. didn't get around to it. And then I heard some of the feedback, and it's kind of it kind of made me put it off a bit because I will watch it, but it's like I have to be ready for this. Mm. Game by the sound of it, and it sounds a little disappointed, and it kind of contrasts as well, thinking to something like I don't know, because we've had a lot of biopics in recent years. But you look at something like it's, Bohemian Rhapsody. This is more. And, this is more something like Mank. Mm. but without you know Mank was a little bit more divided some people didn't like it but a lot of people did and thought it was great and we enjoyed it it was a good we film we enjoyed it yeah but it's on that sort of level of it's it's done in black and white but it's also done with a certain you know um, there's a dreamlike quality to a lot of it and it flits back and too there's a lot of flashbacks and it's uh, you know well, I was thinking as well, saying like obviously it's, it's there's a lot of focus on the negative elements, and I think you contrast that to something like say Bohemian Rhapsody recently, where they take something like that and uh, they kind of take out some of the more sinister elements and make it it's a more polished, clean version of of the story of uh, Freddie Mercury's life, for example, and that. Whereas here, it seems like they've done the complete opposite and gone, oh, let's let's look at all the negatives and focus on that, and it's more of a uh, a detail on her. Really. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, the thing is, it doesn't portray her as as a bad person. It just portrays her as a victim. You know, it's mm. not like it's trying to. So I found it 
you know, in that sense where people were not happy with um, treating her legacy like this way, I think it was more a case of people wanted something like Elvis in a way where it doesn't tell you the, the true gritty, nitty, no. horrible picture. It just shows, hey, this was a an icon of the 20th century. Let's celebrate it by doing something pizzazz. And I think they were maybe expecting a bit like that with Blonde, but it was more of a, oof, you know, I Long mean, it would... With, um what was the one we watched recently? Um, Respect, uh, the Aretha Franklin biopic yeah. that we watched, which was very dark and mm. there's a lot of focus in that on... Yeah, even the, darker than that. This was like, yeah. this was to the point of, oh, it's, yeah. it's nasty. It was, I think it's definitely an interesting film in terms of breaking it down and, and discussing it critically from a film criticism point of view. There's definitely a lot to be gleaned and, and mined in there. But yeah. as for an audience movie about Marilyn Monroe, I can see why people hated it. But it's not a terrible film, I don't think. And I don't think there was sinister uh, intentions on behalf of Andrew Dominic or the filmmakers or anything. I think it was just, it just hit a sour tone with people maybe. Mm. Don't know. Let us know. Have you seen Blonde? Did you think, uh, you know, it was one way or the other? Let us know in the comments. It'd be great to uh, see what other people uh, thought about it. What did you think of it yourself? So next up on on a lighter tone uh, was uh, a film. Uh, we reacted to a trailer of it uh, way back, and we'll we'll leave a link in the description below for that. Um, and we were quite excited about. Um, I went and checked it out. Was uh, Bullet Train, um, which is. A big action film, basically, um, action kind of comedy um, with Brad Pitt um, as the main character in it. He's kind of a a hitman, um, you know, or you know, kind of criminalized spy in a way. Yeah, um, he's uh, got Sandra Bullock in his ear um, throughout the film on on the earpiece that he. Um, or on the phone that he has to kind of keep in touch with. Um, he's got a job to go do um, to retrieve a briefcase, um, essentially, that's on a, a bullet train in Japan. And when he gets onto the train, he's greeted along the way by there's a whole more, load more people um, who have been assigned this mission to go and get this briefcase. This briefcase. Brilliant. Um, and hilarity ensues. As you can imagine, um, the, the the thing I would compare it to would be something like uh, Snatch yeah. or any of those kind of um, Guy Ritchie uh, kind of movies uh, and that kind of thing. Um, it's very stylized. It's very over-the-top action, you know, cutting and getting in and doing all those over-the-top things. That's all in there, and it's really great. We all love that kind of thing. It's got all the comedy in there, which is really funny. Um, particularly, uh, <laughs> uh, there's Aaron Taylor-Johnson and Brian Tyree Henry, who play... Um, these two British um, hitmen, I guess, who are called uh, Lemon and Tangerine uh, <laughs> in the film. And they are the stars of the movie. They are so funny. It's uh, very, very enjoyable for them in it. Um, you know, there's other, you know, 
uh, Bad Bunny turns up in the film and uh, and all these other things. There's a whole Japanese samurai element to it. There's lots of um, flashbacks as well to the previous missions and stuff. And it's uh, it's tremendous fun. It's very silly and over the top. Um, there's bits of it you go, oh, that's ridiculous. But you're in the context of mm. this silly comedy action movie, so it becomes great fun because of it. And you go, yeah, okay, whatever. And uh, but it's worth checking out if you want to laugh. Yeah, uh, and sit down, get a beer, and watch that. I love a good train it. movie. You know, Strangers yeah. on a Train, Silver Streak, Train to Busan. <laughs> um, what's that last Train to Christmas we watched last year? That was brilliant. That's a great film. Yeah. So yeah, I'll have to give Bullet Train a go. There we go. It's a thumbs up for Bullet Train. Well done, Brad. Thank you. This is incredible. Yeah, next film on the list was Emily the Criminal with Aubrey Plaza. Really good sort of crime drama film. Um, she plays this sort of kind of like kind of tough character. She's got a job she doesn't really like in this catering firm. And this guy she works with, he puts her onto this thing where she goes. And it's like one of those scams that they these dodgy people in this warehouse, they send you to a certain place with a credit card which is dodgy as hell, but, you know, it's only designed to work once. You buy the most expensive item, like it could be a car or this huge telly or something like that. Yeah. And, and you just have to get out of the store and get it back to their warehouse before the alarm bells go off, you know, and, and they give you $250. And it's basically a way for her to get sort of like a bit of spare cash. And um, she ends up getting more involved with that, basically. That's the the setup. Um you know, that becomes more of a priority in her life than her job catering stuff. She she becomes like Emily the criminal. So it's, but, you know, it's so it's all about if you're an Aubrey Plaza fan, you want to watch it because she's just so cool in it. She's just so sort of like she is this character that, you know, gets exposed to this world that she knows nothing about, which gets quite nasty quite quickly because there's a lot of sort of money on the line and there's some nasty people involved in it. But she sort of, as much as she's sort of scared by it, she kind of rises to the challenge and she finds this sort of like fierce sort of <laughs> criminal within her in a way. Yeah. But she never becomes like this. Like It's not like Godfather 2 or something where she becomes this like, oh, Michael, what have you done? You're this evil. <laughs> it doesn't go there, but it, it's more on the yeah. sort of smart side of it. She becomes a smart criminal, how to outwit others. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I couldn't wait to see it and it didn't disappoint me. So I definitely recommend it. It's a thumbs up for me uh, if you like that sort of crime caper, crime thriller thing, you know. One to check out, one to check out. All right, we'll check it out. Okay, another one on the list was another um, remake, and we've seen a lot of horror remakes over recent years. Most notably, maybe the Halloween films have just concluded uh, their, uh, you know, latest trilogy of films. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, we had Scream came back with the old cast and did a bit more. Yeah, we didn't like that very much. <laughs> so they made another Hellraiser film. Um, Hellraiser, obviously, another 80s um, horror classic. Clive Barker. I remember the first two films in particular being very good. There were, then there was a third film um, came along, and then they I think they tried to reboot it, or they did a fourth installment a few years ago, and it didn't, it didn't launch quite as well. So they'd gone back to the drawing board, and they kind of like you know it's like a it's like a reboot really, and I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was quite cool. It was you know it was what you'd come to expect from a Hellraiser movie. Um, 
not bad at all, not a bad effort. Um, did you ever mm. watch the originals? I've seen the first, the, the original Hellraiser, but I've yeah. never watched any of the others. Um, it's quite good. The original is quite good. Yeah. Um, it's an original concept. It's from yeah, the it mind good of from... Clive Barker. <laughs> you know, unlike any of those other ones in the 80s, you had, um, of course, Freddy Krueger was probably the most famous 80s um, yeah. horror guy, but you still had the ones from the 70s, like Michael Myers and stuff like that. Like we Jason, yeah. And Jason those. all the way through. And the Xenomorphs from Hellraiser were another of that cast of characters, you know, that yeah. were synonymous with that time. So they've changed them in this one. Um, they're um, the, main, the main Xenomorph pinhead that people relate to with the Hellraiser series is now, I think, a female character rather than a male character. Um, But, you know, they got the idea of this Pandora's box as well that can take your hand off when you unlock certain elements to it. And that's obviously unlocking um, dimensions to hell and stuff like that as well, where these creatures come from. But I quite quite enjoyed it. It was quite cool. For for a rehash, for a remake, after the ones we've watched that were terrible, like Scream and like some of the... Halloween stuff. This one wasn't so bad at all. I, I would watch more from it if they did some sequels to this. Yeah, I mean, it sounded good when you said, "Oh, it's actually quite good." It did pique my interest to, uh, you know, to one that I might want to check out because, I, as you say, after all the ones we've watched, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that was bloody oh, awful, dog shit. Yeah. And uh, the Candyman, I wasn't impressed by that. And there's, yeah. there's been so many. And I mean, we've had this before. You know, go let's go back. You know, late two thousands, and there was they rebooted them all then, and they were all crap. So to finally get one where you go. Okay, <laughs> this yeah. is actually quite good. Um, it, it's a bit of a, a unique uh, thing, isn't it? So yeah. um, if you want to check out, I think. That was it. That was released on Hulu. It was definitely worth a watch. And, you know, if you're a horror fan, and you especially if you like the original, it's great. Thumbs up. That's not bad for a morning's work. I think you'll agree. Okay, Dave, we're getting towards the end of our list. We've just been talking about the rebooted Hellraiser film. Um, you watched Halloween Ends, which was just mentioned, the third instalment of the latest Halloween trilogy. What do you reckon? Yeah, so I thought we'd just quickly mention this one. Um, so the, 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 the rebooted, you say reboot, it's a reboot and a sequel at the same time, or requel, whatever they yeah, want, bloody call them these days. Um, so they did that back in, what, 2018? Um, it was a kind of... Ignore the other Halloweens. The first Halloween happened. This is the sequel, the second one. So kind of ignore the other timelines, as they say. And uh, it's 20 years after or whatever the original Halloween film. And they did this whole film. Um, kind of the basic comes out, you know, he was in prison. Um, he gets, uh, he's been transferred to a prison, but he escapes and da 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 da. Actually, quite a good film. I quite enjoyed it. Um, was that Halloween? Thought, Halloween Kills, was it? No, no. So it's just Halloween that was called. Mm. I know, just to confuse everyone. <laughs> okay. Call it the same name. So that was the first one of this now trilogy, mm. and it was quite good, quite interesting. I thought they grounded the character yeah. into some realism, and it was like, what an interesting idea. They've got this concept going on. But they said, oh, it's going to be a trilogy. And then we had the second one, which was Halloween Kills. That's right. Which I remember we that both one. watched. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, had um, everybody's favourite... Um, Anthony Michael Hall. Anthony Michael Hall in it. Um, that film basically 
shat on the philosophy they just set on the first <laughs> film and turned him into a super fucking being again. <laughs> and uh, by the end of it, you've got the entire town killing him, and yet somehow he gets up and is still the super villain Michael Myers. And um, and by the end of that, you're going, oh, what a waste of the whole setup you've just said on a great film um and then finally that leads us to what we've just had with halloween ends the end of the trilogy um so you're kind of hoping oh please just make a good ending to it and finish it all off um well it was fucking shit oh <laughs> um shit it sandwich was, <laughs> it was it they may as well have not even called it Halloween. Wow. Um, Michael Myers probably has about 10 minutes of screen time. Yeah. Um, it was just atrocious. It, it was just... I, I, it's indescribably bad. Um, there was one scene at the beginning which was mildly interesting. If it was nothing to do with... You know, if it was in another horror film, you'd go, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. But in the context of this, it was like, what's this even about? And by the end of the film, it's just like, this is just just, just stupid. What a shame. I know. What a shame. Okay, next film on the list is Don't Worry Darling. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. I still want to see this movie. Again, it's had mixed reactions. There was, seemed to be more said about the film because of um, Chris Pine and Harry Styles uh, spitting on one on it another at the Cannes Film Festival or whatever it was. Yeah. There was some craziness going on there, but um, the film itself, take it away, Dave. Yeah, it's an interesting one. This is, as you say, there seems to be more coverage about, uh, you know, the spitting incident, there's Shia LaBeouf, supposed to be in it, not in it, nonsense going on. Fired from Olivia, it, fired from it. Actually. Fired from it, then saying he wasn't at Olivia Wilde and all these different uh, things. But... You know, who cares about any of that, quite frankly? Um, it's, you know, it's not that interesting to, um, you know, go over the uh, craziness outside of it, uh, in my opinion. But Olivia Wilde directed film. Um, the last film um, she'd done, a, her debut uh, directorial uh, film was uh, Booksmart, which we both enjoyed yeah. um, last year, um, which, was a, which was a really good film. This is her second film. We've got uh, Florence Pugh and Harry Styles as the, the, the main two characters in the couple. Now, to me, the the best comparison for this is, is this is like a Twilight Zone episode. This is oh, like, right. um, um, you know, you're set in this, this environment and you, you know something's wrong instinctively, but what is it, you know? Yeah, and, can't uh, put your you, finger on it. And uh, the film is playing out to tell... You, you find out what that thing is, the conclusion, which to me is very much in that style. Um, you know, they, uh, Punch Pugh and Harry Styles' character, they play a uh, kind of uh, young, newly married, happy couple. Uh, they're in like a 1950s style neighborhood. Um, although it never says we're in the 1950s or anything like that. And, and you don't know where we are, they're just in this neighborhood. Um, which kind of turns out it's in the middle of um, some nondescript, you know, it's it's away from um, society in a way. Um, and all the people there, they all work at the same 
building factory and go off to work every day. And there's like this uh, evangelical um, leader um, mm. who owns the company who's brought everyone there to work at the, the factory kind of thing. Um, that's Chris Pine's character. Um, but then things start to happen. Things start to unravel. Weird. Yeah. And yeah, we go on that journey. And I won't say any more than that because that obviously no. spoils some yeah. of it. Well, it sounds like sort of Stepford Wives meets Westworld kind of scenario yes. going on. Definitely. A little bit of Black Mirror, a little bit sort of kooky, spooky. Yeah, uh, definitely. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. I I really did enjoy it, and I think there's been a lot of criticism towards it, um, you know, saying, oh, it doesn't make much sense, or it's a bit, bit crap, or uh, all the different things, you know. Uh, people even criticising Harry Styles' performance, which I quite enjoyed. I thought his performance was was actually quite good. Uh, Florence Pugh was fantastic, as she always is. Um, she is. It was shot beautifully. I thought the screenplay was really interesting and tight. I thought what happens was interesting. Um, um, wasn't my guess. <laughs> was, well, that's a good away. start, isn't it? Because you don't really yeah. want to guess it before it happens because you always feel a bit, oh, I knew it was well, going to be that. And then when yeah. it surprises you, it's better. It's like, oh, you can't expect know it's that. On a, a spectrum of certain things, don't you? But you can't, you know, it wasn't what I went with. So, you know, it turned, it, so it turned me in that way. Um, but I, you know, to me, it was it was very good and very interesting. It was well paced. Um, it kept me going. It wasn't too long. Um, they, you know, they did what they needed to do with it. They could have, there could have been more mm. to it. Yeah. Um, it kind of felt like it ended a little early. Mm. Um, and they could, and they could have explored some other avenues in there, possibly. Um. But maybe that would require someone a bit more skilled and experienced to do it, if I'm honest. Um, but all in all, it's an enjoyable little tale. And, you know, I think almost if you treat it like, oh, I'm, I'm watching an episode of something like The Twilight Zone or something like All Black Black Mirror mm. or something, you know, kind of treat it like that. Very enjoyable, you know. Cool, that's what I'll do. Go and check it out. I'll uh, treat you like I'm slapping on an episode of The Twilight Zone and or Black Mirror, and I'll check it out. I'm about to become a permanent resident of The Twilight Zone. Okay, uh, I'll just tell you quickly about this one I watch called Speak No Evil. Now, this is a Danish film, I think. Um, it's directed by someone called Christian Taftrup. Um, particularly nasty horror, uh, horror film where... This Danish couple, they've got a little girl, a young couple, you know, in their mid-30s, say. They go on holiday and they meet this Dutch couple and they've got a young boy. But um, their son seems to be a little bit, um, I don't know why he's, whether he's, you know, he's just quiet. He's like a mute. It's like he's had some sort of trauma and they explain it away, why he's so quiet. But he's roughly the same age as the little girl. And they meet this couple on holiday and they get on all right with them. Everything's cool. And then when they get home, this Dutch couple invite them to Holland, say, come come visit us and stay at our house. We got on really well with you. Our, our little son, he likes your daughter. You know, they get they play together and that's nice for him. And so they end up, okay, let's do it. Let's, let's drive over there and, and have a little holiday with these Dutch fuckers. As soon as they get there, oh, these Dutch people just become a nightmare. It's like, oh, my God, just... In 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 funny ways, in sort of like like for example, the Danish woman, she's a vegetarian, and she tells them 
when they're already on holiday, she tells them she's a vegetarian. And then as soon as they get to Holland, the first meal he's cooking for them is like this beef steak meal or something. And he's insisting that she try it. And she's too polite to not mm. to say no. So she ends up, you know, I never would do that, you know, eating the meat just to be polite. It's like, so it goes on like that and they get worse and worse, this Dutch couple. And then it gets revealed that there's something ooh, much more sinister going on. And that's it. I wouldn't be able really to able to say any more uh, without spoiling it. Um, you know, a lot of these films to get like that, you know, people go off to somewhere that they kind of should be familiar with or whatever, or not too familiar with and end up getting into, you know, some sort of nasty scenario. This one, it stays realistic all the way. There's never any cult element to it or uh, mystical element to it or any kind of stuff. It's like these people are just like very realistic. It's almost like if you think of it in a way that you went on a holiday and you met Fred and Rose West and you didn't know <laughs> who the fuck they were. And then when you got yeah. home, they were like, come on over and stay with us here in Gloucester, you know, uh, come and stay in our house. And you just didn't have a clue. Well, yeah, they were kind of good. They, you... And it stays faithful to that kind of track where yeah. the ending is just, it's one of the most depressing, nasty, um, vicious kind of, leave you just leave it leave you feeling stone cold horrible at the end of the film than you know most other things I've ever seen to be honest and it left me feeling like you know from my, I like a good horror film especially one that's done with a certain ex, to a certain extent with realism yeah you think you know like we were talking about get out earlier and you know that guy that it gets a bit far-fetched but you know that whole thing about uh, hypnotizing them and this kind of thing. It was kind of realistic and it was like, oh, this is interesting. This is, you know. Yeah. And, but this goes to the point where there's a lot of philosophical questions that it drags up that are conversations really as well that would be, you know, quite difficult to have in the sense that they're quite, you know, it's a very yeah. dour subject. It's a very sort of black film. But um, I can't imagine anyone saying they enjoyed this film. Like, and if they did, they're a sick motherfucker as well, because, you know, anyone who enjoys that kind of conclusion at the end is like, uh, I mean, there's a place for it. I've told you about that film, Come and See. Yeah. Where it is just like, it's a World War II film. It was really grim. There's a lot of sort of stuff in it. You just think, oh my God, this is like, but if it's, it's we're in Lars von Trier sort of territory here without all the uh, silliness. It's kind of just plain old nasty. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you like plain old nasty and you just got a black soul, you'll probably love this film, but anyone else going to watch it is they're just going to feel depressed at the end. So, yeah, as well as it was done, it was well acted, well put together, a very effective film. Can't knock it for any of those reasons, but I just found it left a really uh, nasty taste in your mouth at the end. So basically, not one to put on after Christmas dinner. Not one to put on after any dinner. <laughs> Bobby, if you don't eat your dinner, I'm going to have to turn off that television. So to light, lighten things up a bit then. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we need to. Um, <clears throat> the next film I watched um, was uh, just a quick one to talk about Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Um, uh, Good old so, Al Yankovic. We, yeah, we all love Weird Al, uh, absolute legend over the years, of course, all his uh, 
spoof songs of uh, famous uh, uh, hit records. Um, so what this uh, does really is, um, and it's quite apt really because we've had over the last uh, five, six years or so, we've had uh, quite a lot uh, of music biopics. We had, of course, Queen. We mentioned that earlier, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, we had the uh, Alton John uh, biopic. We had... Uh, Rocket Man! <laughs> Rocket Man. There was the David Bowie one, wasn't there, which um, came out. There's, there's been, yeah, there's been Elvis, uh, of course, which yeah. we covered on the show. There's been quite a lot of them. Um, some good, some bad, some in the middle. Um, uh, and so I think actually almost like we used to have the um, uh, spoof movies that used to come out, which, you know, people, you know, often say were terrible, but yeah. it always used to be, oh, there's been a load of uh, scary movies, so scary movie came out, there's been a load of teen movies, so that teen movie one came out, it was, you know, so it kind of fits in that in terms of this comes along just at the right time, we've had loads of music biopics, we get a spoof Music biopic. A spoof. A spoof one. A spoof. It's not a spoof. Uh, it's a spoof. Spoof. Um, we get a spoof music biopic about the guy who spoofs at music tracks, yeah. which is kind of perfect. Um, it, you know, it kind of starts out thinking, you're thinking, oh, this is, uh, you know, the tale of uh, Weird Al's uh, life. Um, and then you quickly cotton on that, no, this is, uh, this is taking the, the mick out of itself, you know, and um it's a bit like when we had those music biopics, you had things like uh Johnny Cash to, you know, walk the line and you had Ray and you yeah. had a few of us and then a few years later they brought that Dewey Cox story out, which yes, was basically yeah. a spoof of those like old legends of rock and roll sort of biopics. So what you're telling me is this one basically is a spoof of all those sort of Bohemian Rhapsody and the Rocket Man and that. So in in a way, in a way it is it is also its its own thing. So it is like, oh, this is Weird Al's story. But in a way, you couldn't really, you know, it'd be silly to say, tell Weird Al's uh, life story in a way because it's kind of like, it, that doesn't fit him. Mm. So to do it as a spoof fits it, you know, and it's completely absurd. Um, is it funny? Hilar- it's hilarious. Um, That's all you need some, to know, isn't it? Yeah, there's some really funny stuff in there. Daniel Radcliffe plays him to a T. Um I'm not the biggest Daniel Radcliffe fan, but he is brilliant in this. Good, um, good to hear. A you know, they they hit the notes. They've got the people in there. The kind of the way they twist things that actually happened is is really great fun. And so yeah, it's go check it out. And of course the the actual uh, songs are all in there, and and they're brilliant as they they always have been. So yeah, I might check it out if you, just because you said it's so funny. You know, it is, yeah, it's good, good for a fun. laugh. That's all you need. Can't win. Laughter is the best medicine. Okay, next on our list was Amsterdam. I, I passed me by this. Uh, I remember we watched, um, I think we watched the trailer together when it came out just to see what was going on. I don't think that was one of the videos we did, but we watched it and yeah, just because um, of the all star cast, you know. That's it. It's, an, it's an interesting one, this one, because, um. I remember seeing the trailer in the year. We thought, oh, this looks quite good. It's, a, uh, it's Christian Bale, uh, Margot Robbie, uh, John David Washington. Yeah. Um, it's also got Chris Rock in there, Anya Taylor-Joy. Directed Myers. by David O. Russell as well. Uh, yeah, David O. Russell. Um, David Viola fans in it. You know, it's a big cast, lots of people. And we saw the trailer. It was all very chaotic and, and looked like 
wow, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, Rami yeah. Malek's in there, Robert De Niro, you know, all these names. Yeah. And, um, and so we were quite excited for it, and then it came out, and it had been a few weeks, and then we started seeing some of the reviews and people going... Panning it. Yeah, absolutely hitting on it. And um, <laughs> it was, an, you know, massive bomb at the box office. It's lost 97 million, so it's not done well at all. Not at all. And I thought... Bloody hell, you know, uh, what a disappointment, you know. Yeah. I thought, I've got to see it, you know. Is it really this bad? Is it that bad, yeah. You know. And um, and then I put it on and I was like, what's everyone moaning about? This is actually, yeah, it's not great. You know, there's, there's, I can see there's problems with it, but it's a perfectly enjoyable film. Um, yeah, I like quite but, a, a lot of David and Russell stuff so far. Exactly, you know. He's done some great stuff, and um, you know all the the cast in it are, are great. They do their part. The the story is interesting. Um, there's bits of it I didn't like. You know that I wouldn't. I wouldn't have made certain decisions on it. You know, and mm. um, there's some weird stuff going on there. But the, the overall package is fine. And um, you know, I didn't. I didn't sit at the end going, "Oh, that was crap." I was like, oh, "That's kind of enjoyable." And that He's was got Taylor funny. Swift in there for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, can I have a bit of Tay Tay? Yeah, um, yeah. I found it. I, I did find it pretty bizarre that um, the heat it's been given. And right. uh, I, I would say to people, go check it out yourself. Yeah, that's intriguing. I, I will watch it. I wouldn't have if you hadn't seen it, and just on the strength of what people had said about it, I probably would have avoided it. Avoided it just because you got yeah. such negative reactions, but. Hearing you say that, uh, I, I will. I'll give it a chance. I'll see what it's all about. Amsterdam. So the last film on our list here that I wanted to talk about quickly was Tar, uh, starring Kate Blanchett. Um, Todd Field movie. Uh, he's another one that I, he hasn't done a lot of stuff, but he's well respected for what he has done. Um, very, very interesting film. It's a character piece. She's not a likable character. You know, she's she is an. She's found guilty of basically grooming different ass- assistants um, or students um, to become assistants, you know, for sexual favors and stuff like this. But it's also about some a human being who, who has relationships and does have issues and problems. And there's a lot of interesting stuff in there, a lot of incredible scenes, really, really well uh, put together as a movie. Very, very interesting. Um Two hours, almost two hours, 40 minutes long. So it's a good... Well, I found that went by so quick yeah. because I was so sort of engrossed in it as a character piece. Kate Blanchett's amazing. Fucking amazing in it. Um, very interesting and original film. And that minor criticism aside, that seemed to come from a bit more of a younger audience and you had older people maybe defending it a little bit more for what it is. It's not like taking her side as a character. It's just saying, hang on. Exploring it. Yeah, let's just yeah. explore these ideas. Um, and for that reason alone, I think it's, sort of, uh, it's a very brave film. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a stunner. It's something, it's one of note. I'd say for me, it was one of the most sophisticated and classy films that has come out this year. A real sort of grown-ups drama, but with plenty in there for you to sort of get your teeth stuck into and enjoy as a, it's beautiful looking, great music in it, 
fantastic cinematography, costumes, locations, everything there is like no expense spared. It's it's a really very well crafted film. And, uh, one one to if, go and check. Yeah. It's Definitely. not my film of the year because we've both decided what is the film of the year. We'll mention in a minute that we've already talked about. But second to that, I would have to put this one up there. I'd say see see it just for Kate Blanchett. She's so amazing in it. It's really great. It's one for my list. Yeah. Add it to the list. So there we go. There's there's 20 films that we have been watching in the last few months, the second half of the year. Earlier in the year, we did review Elvis. We did review The Northman. We did review The Batman. We did review uh, the film that we thought was the film of the year. It is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, directed by The Daniels, uh, starring Michelle Yeoh, uh, Kihi Kwan, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, and a few other fantastic performances in there. We both love this movie. Uh, I've seen it a couple of times this year, and I have to say, hands down, that's my number one recommendation. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, we we obviously covered it in depth, and do go check out our episode on it because I think you know we 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 spent some time talking about it. Um, but yeah, I've watched it three or four times now, and uh, you know, people are obviously giving it lots of praise online. It's well warranted. Yeah. It's it is not only a great fun movie with its humor and its action and all that, so it's a very accessible movie. Um, it also has so many layers and interesting elements, uh, philosophically and historically that it's yeah. it's covering, and um, and it just blows me away what they've managed to achieve, um, with the resources they had. Um, it's it is truly special yeah um, stunning and as I said earlier check out that 3000 years of longing if you enjoy that movie because I think that was it was within that ballpark of, of that yeah. standard really really good but there we go I mean there's another year behind us another year I think this year for a lot of people it's been a rough year we'll be glad to see the back of it and, and get our teeth stuck into 2023 um, but you know, what have you been watching? Have you been watching some of the films that we've mentioned here? What did you think of them? If so, let us know. Did we get it right? Did you think something different than us? Did you agree with us on some points? What about the films we haven't seen, we haven't mentioned? Tell us about what you've enjoyed this year. Let us know in the comments. It'd be great to hear from you because we're always looking for something good to watch. Uh, but yeah, uh, like I say, we go back earlier in the year. We covered everything, every hour all at once. We covered Elvis. We covered Licorice Pizza. There's loads back there that we've talking about for the first seven months of the year. Um, Dave, where does that leave us? We got some new articles up on the website. Um, yeah, top five Alan J. Pacula films. You also did um, special sounds, our top ten music biopics. We were talking about biopics earlier. That's a good article yeah. to check out. Again, we'll link these below. Best place to find us on the internet, whether you're listening, whether you're watching the videos, whether you're reading the articles, is moremovies.co.uk. That's our website. All links, all roads lead to Rome, so all links lead back to the mothership there. You can uh, find us on all the podcast vendors, all the major ones. Come and join us on YouTube. Make sure you've liked here and subscribed. Please uh, join the family here on YouTube. Um, yeah, what am I missing, my friend? 
yeah, that's it. Come and join us and um, follow all the links. And it, you know, if you enjoy what you're doing and um, you, you want to support us, um, we still have our uh, buy me a coffee uh, and Patreon links uh, down there, down in the description below. Um, so if you fancy buying us a, a coffee or a cappuccino uh, for uh, you know doing these shows and doing uh, all our website, you appreciate what we're doing. Uh, they're always received very gratefully. A massive thank you to our regular patrons over there on Patreon. We got Michelle, we got Shane, we got Chris. We want to say thanks very much to you guys for supporting us through this year. I know we haven't been putting out quite as much content in the last few months, but we're we're back now. We've got some exciting ideas that we were going to put out in 2023. So stick with us for uh, some more movies content headed your way. Um, Dave, fantastic to talk to you and catch up with you before the year's end. There's still plenty of films we're going to be watching over the Christmas period. Now things are winding down for the year. So it's a perfect opportunity to come back in January and talk about more stuff that we've been watching. Um, And until then, I think it's time for us to sign off and say thanks very much for joining us. But that's pretty much all. Anything to leave us with, Dave? Final thoughts? Just just very excited for some of the... Films are going to catch over next month, really, and come back in January and, and talk all about them. That, that's what I'm. And 2023 is looking good in terms. We got Indiana it Jones is. five coming. The trailer dropped recently. Ooh, exciting stuff! Oof. Dun, 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 dun. We're cracking. Love it. <laughs> okay, take it easy. Thanks very much again for joining us. We're really glad you could. Take care of yourselves. Have a wonderful Christmas and New Year yourselves. And we'll catch you on the flip side in 2023. And until then, as always, keep watching more movies. That's it for this video. Let us know your thoughts in the comments down below. And remember to like, share and subscribe right here on YouTube. For more film reviews and articles, check out our website, moremovies.co.uk. And join us on social media, at moremovies4u. That's on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all across the board. You know the score. If you enjoy what we do, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com or join us on one of our packages on Patreon. The links are in the description down below. And for more filmtastic content, click one of the buttons on screen now.